Do you really mean it? Well, why did you just halfway say it? If you're going to praise the Lord, praise Him from the bottom of your heart. Not, not out of habit. And what we do for the Lord, if we could do it with all of our heart, I wonder what would be accomplished. Praise the Lord, everybody. I did deeply appreciate the Spirit of the Lord last evening. And we come again tonight with our hearts open to the will and the presence, the power of God. The preaching I did last night, the message last night, and what I feel tonight is just a little bit out of context for myself, especially in camp meetings. I don't usually preach in that area. I want to be an evangelist to you before this meeting is over. And, but yet I feel that I really need to do what the Lord wants me to do. I am so tired of preachers trying to impress me. In our gatherings, when you don't need to impress me, what have you done when you make an impression on me? We need to attract the attention of God. If when we come to the pulpit, we could forget what men think, and I know that's difficult to do, to bring me from Texas here, quite expensive. I know what you want me to do, and I can't get that out of my mind. But I'm not here to impress you. I do want you to like what I say. I want you to appreciate the word. But if I have to make a choice, it will not be in your favor. I'd like to be able to put personalities out of my heart. 
And I'd like to just be plain, Brother Foss, and let the Lord be himself to us in these closing days and the closing hours of this time. How many of you really believe the Lord's coming soon? Perhaps tomorrow night I'll prove to you that you don't. You say you do, but you really don't. But there's something about it, even the world knows that something's about to happen. Talked to my youth director just before we left. He said, Brother Foss, pray for me this week. Young man, 25 years old, on his way to being a millionaire. Another three, maybe four years, and that goal will be reached. And I asked him, I said, Dennis, what, what's the pressure about, son? I know you're under pressure. What is it? You told me a few weeks back, you said, Brother Foss, he said, my goal is to be able to quit my job, be able to give all of my time to you and the work of the Lord here in this church. But the last few months, his boss, who is a very, very influential man, very devout Catholic, Last year, his tithing to the Houston-Galveston Diocese of the Catholic Church was $2.8 million. It's quite a tithe pair. Very deeply involved in politics. Last week, Dennis met with Mr. Merrick, former Texas Governor John B. Connolly, who has announced that he will run for the presidency of the United States. They have been pressuring this young man, grooming him to run for the United States Senate. Mr. Connolly wanted to talk to him about how he felt. Dennis said, Brother Foss, I know when I tell them that I can't conscientiously do it, they will not like it. It could cost me my job. He said, pray for me while you're gone. I said, Dennis, number one, with the money behind you that is being put there, you probably would reach that goal. But what good would it do you if you really believe that Jesus is coming soon?
Our number one priority must be, I want to be ready when the Lord comes. If you have any other priorities other than seeing the kingdom of God in the proper perspective at the coming of the Lord, then that priority is wrong. And I believe that in the hearts of people that are concerned, we know that something is about to happen. I personally, if I did not believe in the Bible, if I did not believe in the Word of God, I cannot comprehend this world going much longer the way it's going, just leaving God out of it. Everything is going down. You study the theory of thermodynamics, and out of the University of Oklahoma came this report just a few weeks ago that the theory of Darwin and evolution cannot be right because thermodynamics teach you that everything goes from good to bad and not from bad to good. The day that I was born, I began to die. The longer I live, the more defects comes. Start with a new suit. It wears out. New shoes. They wear out. Everything goes from good to bad. Anything. You cannot win. You're going to lose. You may win for a moment, but ultimately you lose. And that's where we are tonight. How much longer is it going to be? We don't know, but I have that feeling in my heart that not many days hence it's going to happen. I want to talk to you tonight about a spirit, not a popular subject. there was ever a day and an hour that we live, we're in a spiritual world. Almost everything is controlled by spirit. 
You say, I don't believe in that. Then you don't believe the Bible. You've got to believe in it. The spirit that I want to talk to you about is an ugly spirit. It's a bad spirit. It is a universal spirit. But it's one that even though we are faced with it daily, we Pentecostals do not take it seriously. And I'd like to read for you in order to form a base and somewhat of a foundation for our message tonight. Ephesians chapter 6. And if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I'd like to read what the Apostle Paul says. Now we'll begin reading at verse 12. Then I will go into the book of Matthew. I will read out of chapter 27. Begin reading at verse 11. Quite a lengthy reading there. And then I'm going to go into the book of Hebrews, chapter 6. Please take note of the word. How many of you ever been discouraged before? Everybody that's ever been discouraged, put up your hands. All right? Anybody here that's never been discouraged, let me see your hand. Not only do I want to see it, I want to shake it. Because you are an unusual creature. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Let me repeat that phrase. Against spiritual wickedness in high. Everybody say high. high. In high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, 
Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, hallelujah, which is the word of the Lord. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Chapter 11, verse 27, book of Matthew. Story of the cross of Calvary. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? He saith unto him, Thou sayest. When he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered in nothing. Then said Pilate unto the, him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast the governor wanted to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. They had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. And then when he had sat down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. But the governor answered them. I want you to notice the change that come over this crowd. The governor said unto them, Whether of the twain will I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, What shall I then do? with Jesus, which is called Christ. They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. Can you imagine? And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And listen to this. Then answered all the people and said, His blood. Everybody say blood. 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 His blood. Can you imagine? Be on us and on our children. What a saying. And then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Verse 33, and when they were come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of the skull, 
They gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. When he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him. The next verse that I'm going to read is very controversial. Something that we don't like to look at. But I want you to look at it with me tonight. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism and the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. This we will do if God permit. Verse 4. How many of you believe all this book? All of it. Verse 4. For it is impossible. Let me read it again. For it is impossible. You don't believe that. Let me read it again. Am I reading it right? For it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. That word is there. That means that it cannot happen. You cannot do it. There is no way to get around it. There is a place that it comes to that it simply cannot be done by any means. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Now look, we're talking about something being impossible. For people who were once enlightened who have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the worlds to come. It is impossible if they shall fall away. again under repentance. Why? Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. They crucify the Son of God afresh. 
and put him to an open shame. I want to talk to you about a spirit. I want to call it the thirst. The thirst for blood. Everybody say the thirst for blood. Brother Tool, would you come and pray tonight? I need the Lord to stand by me as I indulge into this. I'm talking to somebody. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. I know how I feel. I know how I have felt today. I know how I have felt through this service. I got up and walked outside a moment ago. Thought maybe the Lord would relieve me from this and I could preach something else. The thirst for blood. Brother Tool. Dear Lord, tonight we come to you in this hour. We pray your rich anointing oh God. would rest upon the man of God. We pray the Spirit of the Lord will sweep over our hearts. Oh God, as we listen tonight, we're listening to you. We want you to speak to us. Anoint your word. Open our hearts. Move by your spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Bloodthirsty. I believe that you would agree with me if you would stop to think that his spirit has come over. Our nation that is a strange spirit and one that we really do not understand. They just finished the trial of Elmer Wayne Henley. down in Corpus Christi, south of Houston, last week. And he was part of the crime that took 27 young teenage boys dismembered their bodies, killed them, and buried them in the floor of a garage in Houston, Texas. A couple of those little fellows in their early 
early teens had said in our Sunday school class, You wonder what comes over people that would make them do a thing like that. A young man broke in on a grandmother and her little granddaughter, eight months old. Kill the grandmother. Cut the baby in pieces and flushed it down the commode until the little head stopped up the commode. Buried the grandmother in a shallow grave. Eighteen years old. Son, why? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Ninety-nine percent of the news that you read in a newspaper has some touch of violence to it, or it's not news. This meeting would never reach the newspapers. Two things would make it reach the newspapers, and that's all of us be baptized with the Spirit all at one time. And then this whole country would feel it. Come on. Amen. Or some child be killed by an automobile on the campground. Or some boy fall out of the top of this building and violence. People are interested in it. If you have never been in a the Houston traffic at 5.30 in the evening, you've never really been in a traffic jam. Somebody asked me, Brother Fox, how can you stop people from moving to Houston? And they're moving there to the tune of 5,000 families a week. 60,000 families over just a period of a few months moving to our city. No place to put them. Where are they going? Get on the freeways. They say that every month there is 4,000 new automobiles hitting our freeways. Crowded. Can't do anything with it. I don't go on the freeways only after those hours. But suddenly the traffic will stop. Turn on the CB radio. Stop and ask somebody what's going on. There's been a wreck. 
on the outside lane. Does it still have the lane blocked? No, it's not blocked. People are just rubbernecking. They want to look. They want to see what's going on. What do they want to see? What is it they want to look at? It's not the twisted steel, the broken glass, the masked car. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I stopped at an accident uh, a few years ago, three years ago, and a boy walked up with something in his hand. Said, you want to see something? I said, what do you got, fella? There it was, just about the size of this piece of skull. And I said, what do you want with that? I found it laying on the fender of that car. The guy went through the windshield. Piece of bone, just about the size of a silver dollar. What made him want that? What would you want with something like that? Why would you even want to look at it? Traveling down Interstate 75 between Atlanta, Georgia and Jacksonville, Florida. Big truck hit a compact. Totally cut a man in two and his torso was laying out in the uh, median. Traffic blocked for miles. They couldn't make people go on. People wanted to stop. They wanted to look. They wanted to see that bloody, dirty, filthy, nasty, that hideous looking thing. A thing that they could not forget. They would see in the night. I'm talking about a spirit. Do you hear what I'm saying? I always have been interested in trying to help if I could. I shy away from automobile accidents. They have a memory to me that I'd like to forget. I know what it is to go to the scene of an accident where it was and the glass still there and the oil there and and they've already moved the cars away and trying to satisfy my own heart. I've got down on my hands and knees and, and crawled and feeling and looked to see if it was black. Two o'clock in the morning. My 18-year-old son killed in that wreck. I could not accept that fact and something come over me. And for three long months, I fought a spirit that I've never fought again in my life. It drove me, violent, everything. What made me go and crawl and see if I could find blood. Going home from church last winter, Mr. Foss and I approached the turnoff where we live, going down a country road, a little convenience store just up the corner, and 
I saw the light blinking, but I saw the funny angle of lights going up. Went down there, and there was another car stop. There was an old, old antique pickup truck that had been restored beautiful. Inside was a big, strong, powerful engine. That car, that truck, had done a complete flip out in the middle of that wet road and come to rest against a big power pole and snapped it off at the bottom and the fire was shooting from up there and those high lines were breaking and, and fire jumping all over the place. I ran up there and the man said, that boy is still in there. I went in and I saw how he was twisted and where he was laying, feet sticking out of the windshield. Body broken, crumpled in a seat, head turned at a funny angle. I opened the door and I wanted to do something I could help. But I heard a gurgling. I knew that he was dying. And I saw the last breath the boy took. I couldn't help but pray, oh God! I see the long hair. I see the beard. I smell the smell. I know what it was. I stood there and watched a soul step out of this life into a life on the other side. We're talking about a spirit, my friend. I stood there and I looked at those lions shooting fire everywhere. Smell of gasoline. I said, you better get back. By this time, others had begun to gather around. I couldn't keep people away from it. Is he all right? No, he's dead. He's dead. You couldn't stop people. I watched grown men, Brother Tool. There was a big cut on the side of this boy's throat. I watched them go up there and put their fingers in that cut and walk away doing blood this way on their hands. I'm telling you tonight, there is something that's come over a generation that we live in that nothing short of a genuine, powerful move of the Holy Ghost can rescue men from. Forget it, sir. Shaking hands with a preacher. Signing church books. Playing games with God won't get the job done. It takes a genuine taste of the Holy Ghost. But I'll, but of course you say that that spirit only exists out in the world. No, my friend, we have a spirit in our church that is going to strangle us if we don't take ourselves and let the power of God move. What is it? What kind of a spirit is it? What causes us to be this way? I was coming from St. Joseph Hospital and in Houston, traveling west on Pierce, on Jefferson Avenue. 
sure enough, I got in a traffic jam. And I couldn't back up, couldn't go forward. And the police come and put a barricade half down the block behind me and started routing the traffic around. I saw people getting out of their car. I wondered what in the world. I saw the fire truck. I saw that. I said, well, Hotel Sinestro is on fire. It's burning. But then I saw on the 13th floor the flowing dress of a girl standing out on a ledge. And she was standing there with her back against the building and the wind blowing her skirt. And as I looked, I saw an officer leaning out the window, begging, it'll be all right. Don't jump. Don't, don't do that. We'll fix it. In a moment, I could tell it was a priest. I heard over the shortwave radio that an officer had standing close to me that a priest was there. He was on the other side of the window. The next window, and he was leaning out. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then to my utter amazement, I heard something. Hundreds, hundreds of people gathered. Everybody's standing looking. And some hawkish voice out of the crowd started up. Yup! Chicken, you've got us all here. Yup! That crowd picked it up. And you could hear it rolling out through that crowd. Jump, 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 jump. We've come to watch you. Yup! What kind of a spirit got a hold of that crowd? That girl rocked on that edge. In a minute, you've seen her lean over those flowing skirts coming down. You could hear the scream. And when she hit, bounced about two stories high. What made the crowd, after she had jumped, they couldn't get to her. Because the crowd literally rushed her and wanted to see. Brother Foss, what are you trying to tell me? I'm trying to tell you that that same bloodthirsty spirit lives in the confines of every united Pentecostal church that exists. Don't believe it, preacher. Yeah, you believe it. You're going to believe it because it's there. You say, I couldn't stand that. Let's go back to ancient Jerusalem. Let's study the master. He spit on 
open blind eyes. He took a bag, a lunch, loaves and fishes, fed 5,000. He cleansed the lepers. Wherever he went, he went about doing good. A good man. Oh, why would anybody want to hurt a good man? How long has it been since you've been to Calvary? How long has it been since you backed off and looked at Calvary to see what it's like? Never done anything wrong. Never sinned. Tempted in all manners like I was. But the scripture said, yet without sin. And that very group that he healed, that he fed, that he went about doing good. A few days earlier, they was laying their coats down. What come over them to make them follow that little band that went to a garden to pray? And he stopped his disciples and said, Peter, you and James and John, come go with me. I got to go a little bit further, and I want to pray. When he got there to pray, Peter and James and John went to sleep. But the third time he prayed, when he knelt there, the scripture said, his agony was so intense that when he knelt there, he prayed, Oh, my father, let this cup pass from me. But when he come to grips with the battle that he was fighting, when he come to grips with the battle in his heart, the Bible said his pores opened and he began to sweat as it was great drops of blood. And when he walked out of the garden, here come a crowd, a mob that came after him. And they said, we are looking for Jesus. He said, I am he. Oh, I know we criticize Peter. Criticize him so much. But I believe with my heart that that old fisherman meant to die if need be. And when they came to take him, Peter whipped out a sword. And he said, not so. You'll never take him. And honey, it was just bad aim on Peter's part. I believe he meant to hit him right between the peepers and lay him wide open. But the Bible said that it cut off his ear. And the Lord reached down and picked it up and put that ear back on and said, Peter, put up your sword. My kingdom is not of this world. If I wanted them to fight, I would call 12 legions of angels. They'd come down here. 
put up your sword. But what kind of a person was it that when they bound him, they didn't need to bind him. He would have went willingly, but they bound him. What kind of a person was it that come by and spit in his face, cleared their throat, got that nasty slimy mucus and blew it on him until it run down his face and dripped on his vesture? What kind of a man was it that could walk up there and beat him over the head with a reed? Ha ha! Tell me who is it that beat a thief with a reed? I never could stand anybody that took advantage of a man when he was down. I never could stand a person that was against the underprivileged or the underdog or the defenseless. Never could stand that. Anything that made something swell up in me. But oh, what comes over us when we see a man down? We want to put him further down. We want to kill him. What is it that makes it happen? What is it? And when Jesus went before Pilate, and Pilate examined him, and said, I don't find anything wrong with him. There was a spirit come over that crowd when those chief priests said, look, let's kill him. Let's take Barabbas. And Pilate said, what am I going to do with him? They said, take him out. Kill him. But give us kind of a man is it a Roman guard could take off his vesture he could lay it down he could reach and get a scourge when he got that scourge in his hand he could take it walk up to where Jesus was they tied his hands to a post and a Roman guard took that lash in his hand and walked up to that post. There was that innocent bleeding back. Baird, what kind of a man was it that could walk up there? third lick, bits of flesh started falling off. He didn't hit him in the same place. He come over this way and crossed it. Because if he went too deep, he would finally cut him until he would die. Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, 
at it, sir. I'm preaching to some people tonight that would want to go out there and run your fingers down through the gas and walk away. Oh, not me, Brother Foss. Just give me a little time, sir. When he reached 20, another one came up, took the scorch. Have to get over this way. Crowd, counting in cadence. 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, and he stopped and shook the blood. The flash off of the scourge. And that crowd looked at him. Brother Ghost, what are you trying to tell us? I'm trying to tell you that that lukewarm spirit, that spirit that makes you want to be like the world, is the spirit that will take the scourge in its hands and say, Come on, 28, 29, 30, 31. Oh, hear me tonight. If you're a backslider and you've made it back in the kingdom, you need to get down on your face and kiss the altar tonight because it's only by the mercy of God, only by His grace. Brother Foss, what are you trying to tell us? We've made it so easy for you to come in and you to get out until some of you have to play through about every three months but there's something comes over you that makes you want to be like the world. And you'll pick it up. Oh, I'll lay it on him. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me do it. That's the kind of spirit that you're working against tonight. You're thirsty. Brother Borders, we've always preached that he's waiting like the father, prodigal son, got a coat to put on his back, got a ring to put on his finger. My son, which was lost, is now found. We've made it so easy for you to get in and out of this church that I'm talking to people tonight that you're contemplating in your mind right tonight what you're going to do when this camp is over. If I could unzip your heart, there's some dirt, filth, slime, darkness, blackness that's inside of that heart that you're here in amongst the people of God and you've got it covered you've got it hid nobody knows about it oh but that devilish devil that devilish demon is going to rise up in you and you'll take the last oh let me do it let me do it let me do it come on why don't you be what you are and walk up here and take it and say I'll give him a few
I've never heard anybody preach like this, Brother Foss. Look, my friend, that book says that once you have received the Holy Ghost and tasted of the Word of God and been enlightened and felt the powers of the world to come, when you fall away, it's impossible. I'm preaching to some of you tonight that would join the crowd and said, kill him, crucify him. I don't want nothing else to do with him. Get him out of my sight. Take him away. Brother Foster, I don't appreciate you preaching to my people like you're preaching tonight. I got people that are backsliders that's here. Honey, I'm telling you that you're the most blessed man in the world. If you feel one little touch of the Spirit of God tonight, if you feel one little move of God's Spirit tonight, if you can feel one little walk of the glory of God, you need to do something about it because there is a place that you can get where God cannot accept what you offer Him anymore because you have crucified Him. Let me talk to you a minute. I love a fireplace. I love to sit in the wintertime and build a roaring fire. My home, huge fireplace in the den. That's the first chore of the morning for me. Get up and I have a time with Sister Foss. She wants to clean out the fireplace. And I say, honey, leave it alone. Because those ashes is a place that I can bank those logs at night. When it's cold, next morning I can go in there and I can dig around in those ashes and I find a little red coal and it's a thrill to me to take that coal and get some kindling and I get down on my knees and I lean over in the fireplace and I take a little piece of kindling and I begin to blow. She's walked in where I was at and said, what are you doing? The more I blow, the brighter it gets. And it's not long until that piece of rich pine timber begins to blaze and I put that on and I get another piece and it's not long until it's burning and then I put some oak on it or hickory and, and I got a fire going. Brother Voss, what are you telling me that for? If I can stir in your ashes tonight and I can find one little coal and you feel one little spark of the presence of God, you better get on your knees somewhere and start blowing. <laughs> 
until it starts to flame. You better ask somebody, my God, get over here and help me while I feel what I'm feeling now because I... Oh, God! Oh, God! tonight that you had forgotten what it even felt like. You've forgotten what it was even like to feel that gentle touch. The thing that happened is God has stirred around in your ashes and he's found one little coal and it hasn't gone out and somebody's blowing on it for you. Oh, listen to me. There's some of you that didn't know that this still went on like it's going on. There's some of you that did not understand that the Spirit of God still moves in a church like it moves now. My old Methodist grandmother told me, said, honey, when I was in the Methodist church, I felt what you're feeling tonight, but I didn't know what to call it. I'm telling you right now, sir, God has found you. You're living in a bloodthirsty generation, but God is ready to bring you out of the impossibility into the possible. I'm not finished, but I feel like God is ready 
while that coal is burning bright, I'm going to ask you if you belong to that bloodthirsty mob that's wanted to crucify him again. You've had the lash in your hands. You've laid it on him. You've laid it on him. You've done it all there. You've put it on him. I'm asking you to lay it down while he stands talking to you and come to my altar tonight. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Lukewarm, backslider friend, person that's lived a double life, a man that nobody knows. Why don't you be honest with God tonight and say, I'm going to come while the Lord touches me. I want you to get up right now. I'm not going to wait for you. Either you come now or you won't come at all. Brother Voss, nobody knows about me. Just between me and God. Just between me and God. I'm waiting for you, sir. Pray, church. Pray, pray, pray. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. For it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify the Son of Man afresh and put him to an open shame. Why? You better bring that little coal tonight. Just wait through them, son. Come right on up here. Get through here somewhere. My God, the altar's full. Just kneel down in the aisle wherever you are. It's God's time. Coming home, coming home, never more to
Oh. Some of you go out and come around. Get in the front here. We need you up here in the front. Come on. Come on. Coming home. Never more. Come on, brethren. Go through this crowd. Please, oh. 
Ah! 